This is Learn It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love the 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Today, we have a very special guest, Michael Keeney. He is a fitness expert, a national presenter and educator. He's Equinox's most recent mentor of the year. He is an actor. He is a BFA in musical theater from Sam Houston State University. He is a shark enthusiast and an alligator wrestler. Welcome, Michael Keeney. We are so happy to have you here today. I'm super pumped to be here. And all the way from New York City. Living the dream in a shoebox apartment. (laughs) All right. So here's how we start the episode. First thing we need to know, and I need a drum roll, please. What song? Best resonates with your story, Michael, that we're going to talk about today. I went with True Colors by Cindy Lauper. Yes, I love that song. <laughs> and, and it was 1986, long before you were born, uh, 1986. Yes, as a child of 1988. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say it's one of those songs that does stand the test of time that you don't even realize was an 80s song if you didn't know already because it is so relevant even still to this day. Absolutely. It's a beautiful song choice. It's it's one of my favorite songs uh, of the 80s and um, a beautiful song. I could listen to it, you know, over and over again and belt it in my car uh, for sure or in the shower. (laughs) Well, and how applicable for 2020, the idea of the darkness inside and, and finding a light within yourself to kind of navigate you, you through it. I think that there's a lot of self-love involved with this song, which is why it really resonates with me. Yes, and I love that you're bringing up self-love because I think during this pandemic, especially, the more that we can provide self-care and self-love is important. I agree. Hashtag self-care. Yes, very, very good. Well, Michael, I want uh, our listeners to hear your story, and um, and then we'll talk a little bit more about how it resonates with your story. My story, episodically, <laughs> you probably could do like multiple things. I, I've been sober for two and a half years. Congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I had been in a really bad car accident before that that changed my life, but I think specifically for what this song is and for what this podcast is. The most recent true change in my life has happened over quarantine for myself. I'm from Southeast Texas originally, so I've been living in New York. Everything kind of shut down. I had just gotten back from a life-changing trip to Spain with my partner, 10 days. It was beautiful. It was amazing. I got back to New York and 
was back in work for less than a week and everything in the world completely closed. I celebrated my 32nd birthday in quarantine. So it's a lot has happened. Um, about a month into quarantine, mid-April, my mom uh, called me and said, your father is not doing well. He's not been able to eat. And I had a very bad feeling in, in my stomach. And I remember talking to my partner about it and being like, I, I think that this is bigger than they're letting on. And it just sounded, it sounded like stomach cancer to me. And I work with um, Cycle for Survival, which is big, a big like cancer research thing. So I, I don't know if my mind's just now conditioned to immediately go to the darkest place with something like that, but that's where it went for me. And anyway, my dad weighed 450 pounds and was six foot nine and wouldn't go to the emergency room for fear of COVID. So essentially, you can't make someone that big do something that they don't want to do. Right. <laughs> and that's a running, that's been a running theme throughout my entire life as my father and I often had different viewpoints on things. And I'm 6'7 and weigh 240 pounds. <laughs> but you weren't going to make me think or feel in one way. And I couldn't do the same for him. So we were just a lot of my life really at odds with one another. And... I mean, that's here nor there. Like, I, I am a gay man who lives in New York City, but I was raised in a private Christian school. I, I was in school at six months old, and it was drilled into my head, that ideology. And so there's a lot of baggage to unpack for both of us. My dad lived in the same 30-mile radius his entire life, and I picked up my life and moved across country. So I think that that divergence in, in what our thought processes were, what we believed to be true, um, really kind of leveraged us against one another. But when I heard he was sick, I immediately was like, this sounds like cancer. And my mom said, you know, well, when things start opening, we're going to go bring him in to get a test. My dad had had a lap band put in and had overeaten and <laughs> passed it. So he thought there was an issue with that. So on my end, things were at like DEFCON, whatever, crazy. But on theirs, they thought it was something that would be more manageable. Um, as soon as he could see a doctor at not the emergency room, he went and it was mid-April and they brought him in and did a scope on his, on his throat. And they, they looked inside to see and immediately ordered a CT scan. And I knew what that meant. So I booked a trip during the pandemic and wow. brought my, my Lysol wipes with me. I brought everything, my face mask, my N95. Like I was like in a full like suit, like suit <laughs> trying to stay protected. Yes. Because, because the world was shutting down and there was craziness, but my life was also imploding in a different area. So it was very intense. So I got home. I actually was able to drive him to a CT scan. My dad is for a second. My dad had a four door Ford pickup 250. It weighed like a three quarter ton or something crazy. Wow. And he couldn't drive anymore. So my mom, who is five, six and weighs 150 pounds, couldn't even like see over the steering wheel, <laughs> was having to drive him to Houston, Texas. And it, I mean, it was scary. So I, I got home, I was able to to take him there. They said that we would get the results back, but I am not sure if you had this experience because I know that you recently had gone through a similar thing, but I got home and I just knew it wasn't going to end well. 
I, I could just see it. He kind of was a reminiscent thought of the jovial. My dad was a giant teddy bear, like the kindest, simple man. And he still had his smile, but there was something like lost behind his eyes. Yeah. So anyway, I got him there. We waited for the results from the CT scan and we never even heard back from the doctor, but the nurse called and she was like, you know, we've set you up with MD Anderson and we had tried to get in touch with him and they said that there was nothing available till mid-July. So that, and this is April 23rd, 24th. And so Mm -hmm. May, June, all the way to July, there's no way. And she said, you know, we're seeing lots of these places. And I saw, I stopped the phone conversation and was like, Hey, I just want, like, this sounds bad. And I, I want honestly your opinion. Like, what would you do if this was your family? She goes, there's an emergency room at MD Anderson. I would have them there tonight. And I said, got it. So I told my dad and he said, no, we're going tomorrow morning. And remember, he's still 6'9 and 450 pounds. So right. No way I'm going to. You can't strong arm run out the door. No, exactly. And and (laughs) like this man wrestled alligators for a living. Like if there was one in your front yard, he was the one that went and got it. And oftentimes I'd be like with him as a six-year-old. But (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Oh, side note. Like we moved out of the swamp because there was an alligator in the front yard and it hit my dad in the back with its tail while he was on top of it. He took the alligator, he pulled mouth to tail, duct taped it like a tire threw it in the back of his truck and my mom always said that that's what he wanted to do to her so she, yeah <laughs> she was like i remember it's like that he was so, so yeah um, wow he's a but, strong brave man oh, holy cow like i could tell my dad's my dad i will one day tell my dad's story but you need to tell your dad's was, story it yeah, sounds incredible a, a christian powerlifting group called the power team and they, their whole thing was they would like bring people from churches up on stage to break bats and nobody could do it. And then they brought my dad and my dad just like cracked the bat and wow. they offered him a job to like tour with them. And he said no, because he wanted to be with his family. But that's, that's the oh, kind of person my dad him. is like that. Wow. So I back full tilt back to the story, the MD Anderson nurse we had talked to. And my mom and dad were very religious and her pastor had actually said the same thing to her. So she like, take it as you will, like if you have faith or not, like we had the science, we had the faith, we had, we knew what we needed to do. So we took him to Andy Anderson. Um, They kept him for a week and we didn't know. We thought we were like going, like we got a hotel room for the night. We thought we would take him home. And by that night, we knew that he wasn't coming home. And this is, again, COVID. Like, we couldn't be there with him. We couldn't see him. Oh, yeah. My dad has a first-generation Samsung, like, touch phone. So I downloaded WhatsApp on it just because, like, I knew that I could video call him from that. So at least we were able to see him and be with him. We talked to our first doctor because we just, we ended up calling the nurse's station and the doctor happened to be standing there. And he was like, wait, nobody's talked to you guys yet? And this was... We had spent one night, two nights. We were on our third day in Houston waiting to hear from the doctors. And he was like, okay, like, you know, his, he's two weak right now. We need to send him to a rehab center in order to get him healthy enough to actually be strong enough for the chemotherapy and the things we need. And we're like, okay, well, that sucks because we can't be with him there either. But then after five days, we spoke to a doctor and he goes, look, it's just 
there is no therapy that we can do that will make him better. And at this point in time, it will just hurt him and he will have no quality of life. Oh, boy. So um, I listened. So they were like, we're recommending sending him home with hospice. Three to six months, you might have him. And we're like, okay. So he gets home and like my dad is not a quitter and he fully believed that he was going to get better. And I wish that I could say that I had that faith, but I didn't. And I, there was this weird moment where he was talking about how he was going to get better and how it was in, like, if, if it was in the Lord's plan for him to get better, he would. And yeah. that, like, ugh, I have my own hangups with religion, but like that always got me because I was like, my yeah. dad's a good man who like really believes in this and like deserves, um, doesn't deserve this. No, I was 65 when he passed away. It's very so, young. Yeah. So it, it just like, but he had faith and my mom was like, look, he has faith. Like I have faith. And no matter what, like, I know that he's going to be in a better place, but I was at home with him. And I think that, so they said three to six months and then it was, then it was six weeks to two months. And then it was two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, And he ended up passing after nine days. So, yeah. And I would say like he was himself for the first four days, but it's hard. Like, again, he was six, nine and 450 pounds and like in a bed and couldn't get up to go to the bathroom. So like I had to like change my dad, but it was either me do it or like a team of four people. So I like, I feel good that I was able to give him some dignity as he moved on. And I just remember one night he, um, I was sitting with him by myself and he like held my hand and he looked at me and he said, I hope you know that I'm just so proud of you. And it's hard because my dad and I were estranged for quite a while. When I came out, he told me that if I married a man, he wouldn't come to the wedding. And um, it's my fault because at that point in time, I wrote him off instead of giving him time. But I also was like heavy into drugs and alcohol at that point in time and was like medicating my misery. So it was easier to write people off. And I know that he had come around in his final days and he met my partner and um, he always asked about Joey. And it, it, it really, listen, like you have to be back to true colors. You have, right, to, be, right. you have to be authentically yourself. Because and, and allow people the opportunity to see how great you are because yeah. they, they will. And if you have faith that they will, and if you give them that space and continue that love, then my dad and I had the resolution that we needed. And I think that it was a lot of what he needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say it changed my perspective on many things like what is important in life like what is it it's not things that are temporary it's it's the things that stick with you and the relationships you make so if you are to live your life you always hear like live every day like it's your last i'm 32 it doesn't feel like today's my last day but my dad was 65 and it shouldn't have been his last day so yeah that idea of what do you take for granted? Where is your happiness? 
Like right. what feeds and fuels your soul and how can you give yourself that more and do not be discouraged and to not let the sad thoughts that come into your mind dictate how you you deal with it. Acknowledge it, feel that, experience that, and then move through it because you deserve to be happy. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that, um, first of all, like I have... St- you painted your dad and, and, and to the point that I can actually see him, this, this strong teddy bear, giant, bigger than life, right? And wrestling alligators, you know, this, <laughs> this breaking bats, like the, just that, that strength. And, you know, what I'm thinking about right now is a lot of things because I'm thinking about the loss of my own father experiencing this uh, during, during covid is a blessing on, on to some level because the world, you know, did stop or it hasn't stopped. But I mean, obviously in our, in our worlds right now, as we're sheltering in place, it feels like there's been a little bit of a halt, but it's given us that time to reflect and to grieve and to mourn. And, And I wonder, you know, how has that been for you having during this time? Let me tell you, I, I do there is no other situation in this world that I could have gone to Texas for three months and still been able, my job is, I am still, I'm working through that. I was being paid something like it. There's, I did not have to take vacation. I did not have to take sick time. I was there for a month with my dad. And then I was there for two months with my mom, who's spending her first time alone. And let me tell you something like my mom, like, my mom is thriving. My mom is, my dad was a really large man and she couldn't do things. And my mom is like gone to visit her sister. And she's like, we traded my dad's giant truck in for a Honda CRV. And my mom's just like zipping around and doing all these things and being able to truly put herself first for the first time in her life. Wow. So I, yeah, I mean, I think that everything is just so strange. Like, and, and let me talk to you about guilt for a second. The fact that <laughs> you're talking I want, to a Catholic. <laughs> there you go. The, we know about fact, that. That's our specialty. <laughs> the world is on fire and so many people have it so worse off. And yes, my father died and yes, the COVID is happening, but there are people who are, 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 are being killed in their beds. Like there are people that I, it makes it hard to complain, but here's what I've recently come to the conclusion of. I do not have to invalidate my pain to validate someone else's. So I am allowed to hurt. I am allowed to heal. I am allowed to take the time I need. I'm allowed to wake up at 2am and still cry for two hours sometimes because this is not easy and that people mourn loss and it's okay. And me mourning my loss is not detracting from my feelings or my energy going into causes that I believe in. So that is something that has been more of a recent, because I just wouldn't talk about it for a while because I was like, no, there are too many bad things that are happening. So why am I, my stuff is just like regular bad things, like people's parents die, but it feels like I'm not allowed to experience that sometimes. And I'm glad that I've come to the conclusion that I can experience it. I can allow myself that. My partner has been amazing at at validating my feelings and just being there for me when I'm just hurting. And 
I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I've been through a lot, but I had a rock the whole time that I knew I had, and I don't know what I would have done otherwise. Absolutely. And how amazing it is that you had that support system in place. And then not to mention that, I want to go back to like how amazing your life has been. When did you really have that full circle moment with your dad where he was very accepting of your partner and your lifestyle? And when was that? So his, I, I think that it was growing on him. So last April, 2019, my cousin Emily got married and we flew to New Orleans she was in Baton Rouge, but then we spent several days with my mom and dad. We went like on a swamp cruise and like we did all of those kitschy things. So that was that was my dad showing me that he wanted to to be a part of that that part of my life. But then he had a really, really close friend who passed away last November, mm-hmm. um, who was much, much, much older. But as soon as Miles passed away, he wanted, he started talking about trips and planning trips and he wanted to come visit us and he wanted to do a road trip to New York and meet my partner's family. And that's when I knew that it was real. And the only thing that I'm frustrated with is that then he died the following six months later. So, but I know the intention was there and the desire was there, even if it never got to happen. And wow. It's just so, and if you think about the timeline, you know, and you think about your life and and your sobriety. Um, again, congratulations on that. Thank you. And, like, and I stayed sober during all of this, which is really yeah, a Yeah, remarkable. Uh, remarkable you, strength. I had the worst dream in the world a week and a half ago that I went to New Orleans, random, for work and decided to drink and do drugs. And I went to sleep in the dream, woke up in the dream, flushed the rest of the drug, drugs, realized that I would either have to be honest about what I did or lie about what I did. And in the, and I was having like a devil on devil and an angel moment in my dream. And I decided that I would be honest no matter what, even if it completely train wrecked my life. And I woke up and let me tell you like the ghost of Christmas past, like (laughs) our future. It was such like a moment where I was, it renewed. I mean, I felt shame from a dream that wasn't real, but it renewed that idea of why I'm on this, why I'm sober, why I'm on this journey and and how important it is. Because in my first year of sobriety, I completed my five-year plan. Like it, And so it was like year two and I started working on my 10-year plan. Like When you start showing up for yourself, things happen. But until you truly commit and decide that you are worth the effort and you're not just going to lip service it, you're not just going to say, well, if I was given this opportunity, you're going to go create that for yourself. And that is what's going to elevate you to get what you want. 100%. And I love how, you know, showing up for yourself allowed you to also show up for your dad. The fact that you, in the middle of, of, of a crisis, you know, of the pandemic, you go and you get on that next plane out and you're there no matter what. And to me, from what you've said, while your father had a, a struggled with the, your, the being gay, right? With you being the religious gay portion of it. and the mm-hmm. religious portion of it uh, in the beginning, he then showed up yeah. and he then supported you as well. And it's all- Call me up because I'll always be there. Yeah. <laughs> and this is all within the last couple of years, you know, a few yeah. years. 
So it's a lot of growth. Literally the last two year and a half. If you look at those those stories that you shared today, mm-hmm. what strengths do you think you gained from this that that's that uh, are significant? I would say, and this is odd to be a strength because I think some people would think it was a weakness, but allowing yourself the opportunity to be vulnerable and lean on others. I think that that's something that I don't like to appear weak in any situation. I have a little bit of control issues (laughs) with stuff like that, but being okay with asking for help. And I think that, I think that that is one truly big strength that I've gained from this situation. I would never think of vulnerability as a weakness. I think of it as 100% a strength. And we use this in our ability to connect to others. And mm-hmm. I felt that instantly with you when I met you. <laughs> I, I, I did. I felt that like I could be real with you. And, and you were just all love. Like you described your dad, right? You know, you're, you're giant, you know, like you're very tall and, and fit, like strong, like I can, <laughs> you know, and, and you look fantastic. And I know you have been really focusing in on your personal health. And, yeah. um, and, and it's hard, like I'm a tall woman and, and I'm athletically built. So I think some people, when I walk around, my physicality may, may show something else, but to be able to be tall and own a vulnerability at the same time is very powerful. It's really hard to be tall and beautiful, right? It is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the struggle's real. <laughs> yeah, so I, I love the, the strengths of vulnerability. And it, um, how, you know, if you look at your life now, 2020, you know, we're headed toward the end of the year. How do you continue to use that strength? Take the risk, take the chance, take the dive. Just the strengths that I've gained from this have made me more fearless. And I oftentimes, I mean, you touched on it as I teach and I educate and I mentor, but um, I always say live fearlessly and uncomfortably because that is the only space in which change is made. And I think that what I've garnered through going, (laughs) reaching at my bandwidth, my emotional overload is that idea of take the chance now because it might not be there later. So yeah. I think that that's what I would say. Yeah, that's so interesting because that was, that was a little bit of the takeaway that I had at the end of last year when my dad passed away was really about his legacy mm-hmm. and, you know, living in that legacy and unfulfilled, you know, I knew what his dreams were and I knew I, I had read, uh, read his biography and, uh, and I read it to him uh, on his bedside, um, his, his autobiography. And um, <laughs> I was laughing because like by page 60 something. I'm like, Hey dad, are you tired of hearing from me? You know? (laughs) Um, But uh, you know, but as I, as I read his history and I read, you know, his ancestors and, and what they went, what they went through and their trials and tribulations and that they just kept going and that perseverance, I, and, and legacy. And I feel that with you, Michael, I, you know, I feel that your perseverance through, you know, sobriety, through relationship and you know, those times in your childhood that may have been very painful, you were able to put those aside and go in uh, with all love for your father and forgiveness. Forgiveness is, is such an incredible strength to have. And it's yeah. hard. It's hard so to do hard. that. It's so hard. 
it's so hard, but being mad at someone doesn't make anything better. No, it doesn't. Honestly, yeah, you're absolutely resentment right. just hurts you. And what, yeah. and me being mad at him for the things that he did 20 years ago, honestly, like, yeah, <laughs> he's in a better place. So it's just me. It would just be me focusing on negativity. And right. I don't need that negativity in my life. It's 2020. Right, right. And so if you look at those strengths as well, the perseverance and forgiveness, vulnerability, it's, um, you're, you're an amazing package, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> So so I want to talk a little bit about, um, do you have a couple animals in your house? Because I saw one make an appearance. Yeah, I have a couple animals. I have four dogs, two cats, and a partner, depending on the day of the week, he could be an animal. Right. Um, yes. So <laughs> we they're all, all rescues. Yeah. <laughs> they're all rescues. My partner works in animal welfare. So um, we have, our oldest one is Mervyn. Uh, who's famous. He's on Instagram at Mervyn the Chihuahua. Uh, but wow. he's, he's 18 or 19. He has no teeth and a bad attitude, but no. But is, that light oh, on, one? is that the light brown one? Is that the little light brown? Yes, of course. Merman. He wants, have, I can see Merman wants to be on camera. I can see that. He's a star. Yes. Um, and then we have another Chihuahua named Jack who loves who is maybe the most annoying dog that's ever lived, but he's my favorite. I tell all of them they're ranked, but he's, he weighs two pounds and just likes to yell. And here's the thing is he's my favorite, but he loves my partner so much more than me that if I'm holding him and he sees my partner, he just starts screaming. Like I'm like murdering him. And I'm like petting him, holding him like a baby. And he's like, no, wrong daddy. (laughs) And then, um, that's some well-loved we have, animals. We have Minnie, who um, is a rescue, and she is the kindest, like, sweetest soul in the entire world. Lacey, who is our newest addition, my partner had um, a very good friend named Holly, who passed away during COVID as well from a heart issue. She was in her 80s, but he had actually helped her with her adoptions so um, we were getting her groceries too during COVID because she couldn't go out. There were like three people that we were getting things for elderly in our building. So she was someone who he was very close to and to like honor her memory, we took her. her. And then we have two cats, Quincy and Magoo. They're both blind. They're kittens. They're from the same litter. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So we got Magoo first because my partner went in to the adoption agency and was like, do you have any messed up cats? And they were like, actually, we do. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, they thought she had a neurological issue at first because she would feel in front of her, but it's because they kept switching her rooms and she couldn't see anything, so she didn't want to fall. Um, so we ended up adopting her. And then a week later, we got a phone call from the vet saying that her brother had been returned. So it was right uh. generation. She was born more blind than he was. So he was adopted out because he had some form of sight, but then when they found out that he was blind, they returned him because they were what? Terrible people. But <laughs> they called us. He called me at work and I go, well, when are we picking him up? And he goes, are we really doing that? Are we those people? I go, well, we're obviously those people. So let's go get him. And then we named Magoo because the character of Mr. Magoo, the, <laughs> the blind character of Mr. Magoo always got into trouble. His first name was Quincy. So now we have Quincy and Magoo. I love it. I love it. We, uh, we are big fans of, you know, rescue is as well. And uh, George, my oldest son, uh, he and I are in boys team charity and we go and volunteer at Paw Works. Aww. And uh, so 
what's happened over the years is that we've collected, you know, two cats now. Um, <laughs> so, I, I love that. Yes. So I have Clark, who looks like our, sadly, our, our cat of like 17 years, you know, passed away a couple, about two years ago, but his name was Lewis. So we got Clark, Aww. who looks like his Aww. twin. Yeah. And then Hazel, who's my sweetheart. She and I locked eyes when I went to volunteer. And it was just, it was like love at first sight, right? Yeah. I looked at her, she locked eyes, and she just sat there like this beautiful puffball. Um, and I just said, oh, God, she's coming home with me. Like, I have to have her. Aren't animals so much better than people? Yeah. And I just called my husband. I said, bring, <laughs> I know, bring, um, bring the crate. Like, there wasn't even a decision to be made. Like, she, <laughs> she was coming home with me. <laughs> if and, you have a problem with that husband, you could sleep in the crate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we have our 150-pound Newfoundland. Sure, her name is Winnie. And I love she, her. <laughs> yeah, love her. And she has no idea that she's a Newfoundland or 150 pounds. She is a lap dog. Like, a, on Saturday night. size in her mind. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because on Saturday nights, I'll watch, we'll watch Saturday Night Live and literally she'll come up onto my, well, she's, <laughs> she'll come up onto my lap, you know, because she knows like, you know, Greg and I have been out to dinner. I'm totally relaxed. She just comes up, sits on my lap and like all 150 pounds of her and my yeah. arm is like all the way up. I'm <laughs> reaching my arm all the way up, petting her, you know? So you're trying um, to like move the hair so you can see. Exactly. Like, I'm like, I have to shift her to the side like so I can see it be beyond her. Is Maya Rudolph on this week again? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, she's, she, she's precious. And you know what I found? I don't know if you've experienced this during COVID-19, but during this time, our animals have become increasingly needy. In fact, to the point where I actually think that they, they think that they own us, like that we oh, are not point. the owners, that they own us. You, when did you lose control? The second you walked in the house. Yeah. Right. Cool. <laughs> That's so good. All right. So with um, thinking about 80s, I have to say, like when I sent out the questionnaire uh, oh, no. to talk about 80s trends, one of the questions I asked audience is, uh, what was your first 45? Now, um, Michael, so for first uh, 45, he's from Texas, right? So <laughs> yes. he put his first, he's like, what are you talking about, a gun? <laughs> so obviously, um, <laughs> he's, he's a little younger. He's a little younger. And uh, so our Gen Xers out there, you know, you know, your, your first 45, and that is a small oh, it's a <laughs> You're right. It's a small record that you... Um, You've got to put a, like that big, thick spacer in, you know, that, that spacer that you put onto the record player so that you can play your first 45. Well, I um, don't. no, no uh, Michael does not know, but my, my Gen Xers out there, I know you know what I'm talking about. So he came along during cassette tapes, correct? Was it, or was it CDs? Yeah. We had full cassettes at the beginning of my journey. Great. So tell me, um, what was your first cassette tape? Or what was your first 80s uh, song that you loved? Uh, Okay, Queen. So many questions. My first cassette tape. (laughs) Yes. My first cassette tape was, wait for it, a Christian rapper who was white, who also sang a little bit, named Carmen, who had a VHS tape called Riot as well, which was essentially like Beyonce's Lemonade before that was a thing. He had song like videos for all of his songs. There was a full Christian narrative. 
Like wow. that was my first cassette tape. That was not the eighties though. To be fully transparent, I don't know what the first eighties song was. I'm sure it was something Whitney. Yeah. I'm sure it was something Cher. I'm sure it was something right. really gay. Like it's probably why I'm gay, but it was probably True Colors by Cindy yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, gosh, it's such a good song, and I loved it's so good to see her perform it. Um, you know, I was in Chicago, and I got the opportunity to see her in a small theater, and it just she's incredible, so talented. But I hear she's a challenge to work with, which I respect because I would also be if I was Cindy Lauper. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, uh, <laughs> we we can't have it all, right? We can't be super talented. You know, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, she's from Queens. I mean... <laughs> Glad that you're educating me on the biography of Cindy Lauper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I did. Uh, she was a favorite. She is. She was a favorite. All right. So... Girls just want to have fun, am I right? <laughs> girls just want to... Yes. Do you have a favorite 80s trend at all? Like, do you have a favorite... You know, I mean, um, that I love like a leotard. I love a side pony. I love anything that's fitness related from the 80s because I think that it's it speaks so much of what the thought process was back in those moments. Absolutely. And I came into fitness in the 90s and that's when the thong leotard came out. And let me just tell you something. When you're 5'11", you should not be wearing a thong. I mean, honestly, All a thong. All of them became like, a thong, Leotard. <laughs> like, it was, it was a disaster. Like, and I, I really tried to pull it off for one, cl- one step class I was teaching, but it just, it really was a bad situation. And uh, so I, I, I had to, and, and it could have be that I just have like a really long torso or something. I, I don't know. Maybe Halloween recreation this. <laughs> yeah. I'm going as yeah. Patricia for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> One chef class song we exactly. It's a full mood. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, disaster. So, all right. So, Michael, I want to just say um, thank you for being here today. And thank you for being my friend. Uh, you want to talk about the Golden Girls? I can see I, that. I will always jump at the opportunity to speak about the Golden Girls. All right. It who's is, your favorite? Well, listen. I identify as Blanche, <laughs> but oftentimes I express a very rose quality, Very good. which I think that they are the stereotypes and caricatures to aspire to be one day. And everyone, the thing about it is everyone in their friend group knows who they are. They were sex in the city before sex in the city was real. And I fully believe that the nineties were inspired by the golden girls. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. They've inspired a lot, and I didn't miss an episode. My partner's Dorothy. I, <laughs> okay, yeah, but I love to talk about if you think about the strengths of each of the um, each of the Golden oh Girls, my God. and so you you might you know a, you know feel like you're more like a Blanche, the confidence of Blanche, but you come off more as a. A rose. Betty. Oh, oh, yes. Uh, a yeah, rose. Betty Thank White. you. Just <laughs> the naive, like trusting, doe-eyed. I have, I personally am someone who immediately, I, I will trust you. I'm like, oh, people have a good heart. Nobody's going to try to swindle me. And I've lived in New York for eight years. It's jaded me a little bit, but I like to think that I still view the world through that bright-eyed optimism. And I think yes. that, that helps as an instructor. <laughs> to, Absolutely. Like, be like, 
this is going to be the best class ever. <laughs> right. Well, like, let's be real about it. You know, there are times, you know, that we go walk into the room and we've had something that happened right before we walked in. And yet we have to be there to inspire and motivate. So whatever, oh. whatever we have going on, you got to check it at the door. And it's hard some days. Girl, I mean, bringing back to my sobriety, like the day that I got sober, like got kicked out of my house and like walked into the room right as like, was trying to emotionally put myself together. But I still had to teach a class. It didn't matter that everything was crumbling. I had right. to make this the best experience for everyone else. My mic did not work that day. It was... Everything. For an action item for our audience today, I think it's just really important to think about your personal strengths and you know yeah. some of those struggles that you may have had. And just also, you know, Michael, you bring up a great point about your story. Yes, there are so many people who've experienced way worse things and pushed through so many hardships, right? But you know what? The end of the day, the reality is, you know, having empathy is so important for all of that, but also being, being okay and knowing that your story is important. And I, and it's funny because like when I ask people to be guests on this podcast, they're like, well, I don't have that inspiring of a story. And I'm like, yes, you do. Every single person has a story and every single person, audience members are, are learning from this right now because there is so much power in story and music and learning from others. I was scared to do this podcast. I find that hard to believe. I went, well, I was cool with it until I went back and looked at who your guests were. And I was like, wait, Petra did this? Like, who is an icon in the fitness industry? And I was like, I'm not as, I have nothing to give. Like, she already gave it all. She's already like way better than me. I have nothing. I have no insight that will be better than Petra's. Who like I know, but she has no idea who I am because she is such a legend. Because she's such a legend. So I honestly was like, oh. I had a moment when I was going through all of the old, ep- the, all of the previous episodes that you had. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to bring to the table? What am I going to so bring? So much, so much. And it is the power of sharing story. You were speaking about actionable items and what mm-hmm. something that I would recommend any listener do if they are feeling down is look for the things. And I got some of this from AA. <laughs> I look for make a list of gratitudes. So things that you are grateful for and go out and help somebody else. Like that's a huge thing in AA. And I'm sorry if I'm speaking. That no, like, was so, so good. Quiet. But, so but good. the goal is if you can help somebody else, you find value in what you're doing. So even if it's, even if it's something super simple, like holding the door or just do something for someone else that doesn't have, isn't for your benefit, right? What right. is something selfless that you can do? And upon selfless actions, you, you will, it will make you feel better and more at peace in your soul. So if there's anyone listening who is struggling with trying to find something like go do something selfless, make a list of gratitudes, remind yourself why you are important. So that, that's yeah. just my opinion. No, um, and Michael, you bring up, you know, such an amazing point. And I think that gratitude, you know, the studies show that it really truly shifts your brain. And, um, and being of service to others, you know, this, if you have time, this is what should be done, right? Find ways to get involved. Or for those that are living alone right now, reach out to those people who might be living alone, sheltering in place. And back to gratitude, one more thing is that um, every morning, it's funny that you say that, I start off with three things that I'm grateful for. 
Sometimes I write them down if I'm more disciplined um, because I do think pen to paper just helps uh, facilitate it um, in your brain more. And, uh, but if I don't have time for that, I think it as I'm making my coffee. I'm like, all right, what are my three things today? Oftentimes it's coffee. <laughs> I'm like, thank God for coffee. <laughs> yeah. As I'm getting Zoom school uh, set up. And then, yeah. uh, you know, and then I think of other things that it might be the sun, the way the sun is shining. It could be very simple things, but just that gratitude for, for being alive, gratitude for our, our friends and our support networks that you brought up today. And then also being of service to others. And I think that's an incredible action item. Uh, and I encourage um, our listeners to do that and let us know how it goes. Do you know why I think pen to paper is important? Yeah, tell me. Because you're spending your time actually doing the action. And, and that even that act of doing the action, time is the only currency that you cannot get back. But, but then you're showing that that has value. You're putting energy into something. Um, I oftentimes just think mine too. But there is something really ingraining about taking the time to write down why you are grateful. And it, yeah. it does put it in a different place in your mind. In a cycle, <laughs> yeah. for, cycle for survival. But tell us how else we can get a hold of you. So my Instagram is at Michael Edward Keeney. Um, so you can contact me there. If you have any questions, I'm pretty open book. You can email me at m. Keeney, K-E-E-N-E-Y, fitness at gmail.com. Any inquiries, any questions? This is a new world, right? So any opportunities, <laughs> anything? Absolutely. Um, thank you again, Michael. And, and I, I look forward to getting to see you at some point, hopefully in 2021. Uh, right? yes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80 song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.